honor, it's a privilege to join you this morning. And uh, thanks also to Reverend Pam for inviting me. And I think you'll find when we talk about Vedanta, you'll find so many similarities with the teachings that uh, you study and practice here. Uh, of course, we find our roots way back in, in the ancient India. And the topic that uh, we selected for today, is there, a, okay, there's a clock, so I need to watch my time. Topic we selected today is taming the fire within which Reverend Pam apparently liked that topic. So, uh, taming the fire within. Uh, what fire? Oh, you know, we, when we think of taming fires, we think of all the fires out there. The, f the brush fires in the hillside, or the fires of, uh, of anger and hatred. There's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of fires out in the world, and those are the ones that need taming, but a fire within. If I, if I have a fire within, that's like my passion, my life. Why would I want to tame that? Uh, so that is the, the, maybe the first uh, reaction we get to thinking about a taming a fire within. Uh, but when we become spiritual seekers, when we become practitioners, uh, we begin to recognize that uh, we face certain obstacles within us. We want to be all loving, and yet when Uncle Bob comes over, it's really tough, right? It's really tough. Or, or we, we want to be always at peace, but when we, when we read the newspaper, it's really tough. It's really tough. So uh, we recognize certain inner obstacles. And Vedanta boils it down to what is the, the, the root obstacle that we face? It's craving. It's a, cra a deep craving, which manifests as lust. It manifests as greed. It manifests as envy, craving what somebody else has. It even van manifests as pride, craving to have me, as in my personality, this body who I think I, who I think I am, be praised and honored and all of that. And it leads to anger. Craving leads to anger. We'll, we'll talk a little about how that happens in a minute. And uh, so what I was reminded of, of uh, an incident that happened with my sister, my younger sister, when she was four years old. She went with mom to Sears, Roebuck, and Company, and mom was doing some shopping for the household. And my sister saw a little toy telephone. And you know how kids get sometimes, they have to have it. So she had to have this telephone. But mom's not going to spend money on something we don't need. We save, you know, be a little saving in our spending. And um, so she started to cry no, I, I, that she really wants it. And one thing led to another. And she had a meltdown right there on the floor of the Sears, Bowbuck and Company, screaming her head off, weeping and wailing, and, uh, because she, she wanted that phone. Uh, of course, mom was wise enough not to buy it for her because uh, she knew how to raise children. Uh, but um, you know that I want. That little screaming girl is actually within all of us. I want. There was an ancient king in uh, Hindu mythology named Yayati. And uh, he 
of, in, as, as the story goes, to make a long story short, he got into all kinds of trouble because of his craving, because of his lust. He got in trouble with his uh, wife's maidservant and etc. And one thing led to another. Anyhow, he finally got cursed that he had to become an old man. So he was a young king with lots of money, and he was cursed to become an old man. So he was really distraught. He said, I'm not through with enjoying this world. I'm not through with having a good time. Uh, I'm an old man now. What can I do? So uh, he got the boon from a sage that if anyone was willing to exchange his youth for his old age, then he could, he could live again as a young man. So uh, his youngest son said, okay, dad, you can have my youth. I'll take your old age. I'll sacrifice for you. So the king was thrilled. He got his youth back, and, and it, was such, it was such a good youth that it lasted for a thousand years. And he went on enjoying as only a king can enjoy. He had all the money, all the power, all the prestige, and uh, could have all the finest of foods, the finest of entertainment. Whatever he wanted that money could buy was his. So he went on with a vengeance, and he found after a thousand years, he finally came to his senses. He realized that he still wanted, he wanted more and more and more. And he wasn't able to uh, still that restlessness for enjoyment, that restlessness for having more. And then he said something very wise. He said, trying to still desire trying to quiet, and quiet that yearning within by satisfying it is like trying to put out a fire by pouring melted butter into it. We have a tradition of uh, a worship that's conducted by offering melted butter, ghee it's called, into the fire. And it, of course what happens, it's like oil and it, the fire flares up. So, uh, but for a moment, if you pour enough on the fire, for a moment, the flames settle down. Then it blazes up all the more. So uh, this was his insight into uh, the nature of desire. When we want something, and, and this is not really uh, quite, it's a little counterintuitive, because we, we tend to feel that, well, desire is what brings me joy. I want something, I fulfill that desire, I get joy. What's wrong with that? I, wa I want a new car, I save up money for it, I buy the new car, I'm happy. Right? For now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for now. That's the, 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 the very way of desire, the way our minds work is that when we satisfy a, a desire like that, the mind gets stilled and settled down for a while. And we feel joy. Why? Vedanta says the reason we feel joy when we satisfy a desire is because our mind gets temporarily stilled. And the natural joy which lies at the very root of our being, the natural bliss which is who we are, bubbles up and we taste a drop of it. We taste just a drop of the infinite joy that is God when our minds are stilled. But then the mind gets uh, agitated again 
because uh, it wants to repeat that experience. That's why we get all... Addiction is a, is a, a kind of an extreme example of it, but this constant desire to repeat, to I, I have a piece of chocolate and I get joy, and somehow I want to have a second piece of chocolate. And that's a tendency is created in our mind, and we, it's like a groove in a record. The mind, okay, I want another piece of chocolate. And I know people who say, oh, I can't keep a box of chocolate at home. It'll be gone within the, by the end of the afternoon. I can't stop eating the chocolates. But the funny thing is, that second piece it didn't, give, didn't give quite the same joy as the first one did. And the third one? Even less. By the, by the fourth and fifth, it's just, uh, it's just desperation, and then we get a stomachache. So uh, this is uh, the, the lesson that Yayati learned, finally, that trying to get joy by satisfying desires is actually like trying to put out a fire by pouring uh, butter on it. It just flares it up. Now... Um, This insight, what he was confusing, what Yayati was, this king was confusing, he was confusing pleasure with joy. And that is what we see all around us, actually. That's what uh, we see on the television, what we see, especially in advertising. Uh, get this pleasurable thing and you will get joy. No, says Vedanta, pleasure does not equal joy. Joy is the very nature of who we are. It is uh, pure and unalloyed peace and uh, a happiness that does not depend on anything. It does not depend on getting something. It does not depend on tasting something, on, on experiencing something. It's the very nature of our being. Pleasure is just the contact of our sense organs, the tongue, the nose, the eyes, the skin, with objects in this world. And when the, that contact occurs, we get some pleasure, and we mistake it for real joy. We mistake it for abiding joy. And we find that... Uh, Everybody is running after that. Everybody is running after a few glass beads of sense pleasure and temporary happiness. When the diamond of infinite joy lies deep within us. So the insight of our ancient sages is that, uh, well, the ancient sages describe what, what is an illumined sage like? What is an illumined person like? Someone who always rests in peace and joy. We saw a glimpse of that with uh, the video of Ramdas, how joyful he, uh, he, he is, and remembering that experience of meeting his teacher for the first time, what, uh, when he was awakened to his own spiritual magnificence, to borrow your term of awakening humanity to our spiritual magnificence. Uh, but most of us are ignorant of it. Most, of, most people in the world are, don't realize what lies within them. So, the insight is that 
all our seeking for experience in this world, all our seeking for satisfaction, whether it be through eating chocolate cake or finding the right life partner or getting a degree or getting a new business or getting a raise or uh, find, getting, having grandchildren, right? What we're really seeking is that infinite bliss which is already ours. And they tell a story about uh, a deer. There's a certain kind of deer which roams in the forest of the Himalayas. It's called a musk deer. Uh, the musk deer has a gland in its navel which produces musk. And musk is a kind of intoxicating scent. And the perfume makers and incense makers use that to make a perfume. And the musk deer smells that s fragrance of musk coming from somewhere. And it starts searching for the source of it. And it runs through the jungles of the Himalayas, runs up the mountains, up to the tops of the mountains, it runs deep into the ravines, it goes and searches by the lakesides and crosses over rivers, searching for that, that intoxicating fragrance, which it, can, it keeps getting whiffs of, but it doesn't know where it's coming from. And it runs and runs and runs, and finally it collapses in exhaustion, never finding that the source of that scent the source of that intoxicating scent is coming from its own navel. It's coming from itself. Likewise, this world is offering us all kinds of little tastes of joy, little tastes of pleasure, and saying, come, seek me here. Just like the musk deer thinking that the joy is found somewhere on the mountaintop or in the bottom of the ravine, when all along that joy is really within us. So if we can understand this, we can actually redirect that craving we have, that desire that we, if we are practitioners, if we are seekers of God, we begin to recognize that uh, our cravings for things in this world are, it's, it's a misplaced craving for God. Can we turn that craving towards the divine? And it has been said, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. If we seek for God, we find God. If we seek for this world, we get the world. We can get money and pleasure and fame and all those things, we can get them. But we know that they won't give us lasting peace and joy. Can we seek for God? This is what Vedanta presents as the ideal of our lives knowing who we really are, knowing God, attaining our own kingdom, kingdom of the Spirit. So we can use that fire, which we all have in us. It's a fire of craving. Turn it towards God. There's a wonderful lesson given by Sri Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. I think many of you have been studying the Gita with Lisa. Uh, and uh, Sri Krishna explains uh, what happens. Uh, what, uh, he, he gives a beautiful chain of <laughs> causation. He says, if, if you think about something, if you think deeply about something, if you start mulling about, over about something, gradually, automatically, attachment for that 
subject or that thing comes up in our minds. Thinking of something, we get attached to it. Once we get some kind of link to that thing, some kind of attachment to it, we start to want it, we start to desire it. Now from that desire, if that desire becomes obstructed, if it gets thwarted, what happens? We get angry. Just think of my sister. She wanted that telephone and mom said no. It's a, it's a little bit simplistic example, but it actually, it's very apropos. She wanted something, she was, that desire was obstructed, she became angry, she had a meltdown. We also find actually in society today so much anger, so much anger being expressed. And actually, when you think about it, it's only natural. Because why? Because our society promotes desire as the ideal. Desire things and attain your desires. But how, how, how impossible that is to attain. And nowadays with uh, economic troubles, many, people, m many more people are finding it difficult to, to satisfy that desire for wealth. And uh, it's a natural outcome, anger. Now, Sri Krishna goes on to say, well, what happens when we get angry? When we get angry, we get a kind of delusion of our mind. We can't think straight when we become angry. And when that happens, we forget the lessons of our past experience. We learn from our experience what we should do, what we shouldn't do. When we get angry and we get confused and deluded, we forget those lessons. And we lose the ability to discern what, what's right and what's wrong, what's really going to help me, what's going to hurt me. And this leads to spiritual death. This leads to spiritual death. So anger, which is really another kind of fire within us, uh, is, um, can we understand, anger is never helpful. Anger always hurts us because we forget, we get confused, we do the wrong thing. We think, you know, like the Incredible Hulk, who uh, when, when uh, the David Banner gets angry, he becomes the Incredible Hulk and he gets this incredible power and strength. And so we think that anger gives us incredible power and strength. Uh, but one thing the, the sh TV show got wrong is that the Incredible Hulk, he always did the right thing. He beat up the bad guys and he saved the good guys and everything was a happy ending in the end. But when we get angry, we say the wrong thing and we insult people and we hurt people's feelings and sometimes we break friendships of many years standing just with a few harsh words. We, we ruin things with anger. So yet, that tremendous power, can we harness it? See, Sri Krishna, where does, it, where does it start? Where does this anger start? Where does this craving start? It all starts with a thought. What you think about. And what is it that we think most about? Mostly we think about this. This thing which is a body and connected with it a personality and a mind with its likes and dislikes. This complex of uh, w which we call our personality, uh, the me, which is strongly identified with our bodies. We think most about that. So 
naturally we have we get a desire connected with it to have it be pampered and comforted and comfortable and highly paid and kissed and all those things uh, yes and when those desires are obstructed we get angry so one little uh, key to to uh, to this is when we get angry think what desire is being obstructed right now sometimes it's it's not so intuitive so we can understand like uh, we want a raise at work and we ask the boss for a raise and the boss says no and we get angry that's an obstructed desire but what if someone says an unkind word to me that's not right that's not fair I, I have a right to be angry what desire is being obstructed there this desire to preserve and protect this false me this false me which looks like this it's a body with a mind and a personality this ego this uh, we call it the unripe ego. We like to preserve and protect that, thinking wrongly that that's who we really are. Sri Krishna later in the Bhagavad Gita, he describes uh, different kinds of happiness. And this is another nugget from Sri Krishna. Uh, the first kind of happiness, well, there's one kind of happiness that, uh, what does it come from? It comes from the contact of the senses with the objects, the senses with their objects, so the eye with uh, uh, sight and the ear with sound and the tongue with taste and all of that. And what is it like? It's like nectar. It tastes like nectar at the beginning, but it tastes like poison at the end. It tastes like nectar at the beginning, but like poison at the end. And we see that's, that's what we've been talking about. This kind of, uh, that first piece of chocolate tastes like nectar, doesn't it? But ultimately it doesn't last. It's really a rather paltry kind of a joy. And it doesn't last long. And sure enough, pretty soon we have a craving for another one. And a craving for yet another one. And that craving tastes like poison. But there's another kind of happiness. It tastes like poison at first. But it tastes like nectar at the end. This is the, uh, jo the joy which comes of the clear realization of who we are. Why does it taste like poison at first? Well, if we want to know who we are, if we really want to directly experience the divine, we have to master our minds. We have to master the tendency always to want and to acquire and to taste and to have. And that's a little difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little painful. When we, we can, if we have that first piece of chocolate and we say, all right, no more, one is enough for me. And the mind says, no, give me, I want another one. Give me another one. The tongue is shouting, give me another one. And we have to say, no, one is enough for me. I'm training you now. I'm going to be the boss, not you. If... If I give in to that, if I give in and say, well, I'm a free, I, I'm, I like freedom. I like to do whatever I want and keep eating these chocolates. That's slavery. That's slavery to this tongue. Rather, let me be the master. Master the mind, master the senses. And gradually, slowly, we transform our whole personality until we realize 
that we are not this limited being we thought we were. We are not a body. We, are, we have a body. We are not even a mind. We have a mind. We are pure peace and joy as our true nature. That's who we are. Now, one objection might be, uh, well, Swami, that's all well and good, but uh, we're not monks. We're not going to give up all the things of the world. We have our houses and our families and our ice cream and all that. We like ice cream too. Well, you know, one of our, uh, our founding monk of our order, Swami Vivekananda, uh, he also used to love ice cream. And uh, when he was sitting with his students and friends in New York, he visited this country for many, uh, quite a number of years. And in Stone Ridge, New York, he was staying for a few weeks. And they'd be sitting around the dinner table and everyone loved to bask in his presence. So after dinner, he'd get up and he'd want to go out and have a smoke probably. In those days, smoking wasn't what it, what it is today. <laughs> so he'd want to get up and go for a smoke and then the mistress of the house would say, I believe, Swamiji, there's to be ice cream for dessert. And he would sink right back down in his chair with a, with a beatific smile on his face and he would love to eat that ice cream. So what about that? We think of him as an illumined soul who knew who he was. What is this, that he liked ice cream too? Well, the difference is, actually, he could enjoy it more than we can. Why? Because he had no attachment to it, no desire to have more. He wasn't thinking beforehand, I hope there's ice cream for dessert. <laughs> it was just ice cream, yes, enjoy it. And simply calling to his mind, the infinite joy which lies at the, at the root of his being. There's a famous little poem by William Blake, probably many of you know it. He who binds to himself a joy does the winged life destroy, but he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise. Do you know it? Yeah. He who binds to himself a joy. If we try to cling uh, to hold some kind of joy to, to us, it, it, the winged life is destroyed. The winged life, that, that life of freedom, that life of joy, of the joy of our being is, is destroyed, is hampered, is covered. But let a joy come. Kiss it as it flies. They come and they go. I am the infinite bliss. Let ice cream come, let it go. Let bitter herbs also come, let them go. I am that same infinite bliss, that same joy. So th these were the thoughts I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. And uh, afterwards, 11.30 to 2 or something like that, we'll have a little workshop. Those of you who have uh, time and interest can stay and we'll talk a little more about uh, spiritual practice in uh, our tradition of Vedanta. So, anything else I should do now? <laughs> Om Shanti 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 Peace, peace.